listener production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Did you hear the one about a bloke who stupidly agrees to record a podcast with three women on humour and comes out crying? That's me for the record, and despite that terrible setup, we're about to have a conversation on why brands and advertising are avoiding humour in their communications with women way more than men, and why the times and mood are right for a major reassessment of the whole earnest thing. Now, I'm sweating this one because the stellar lineup today includes Wendy Harmer, who's never short of a whip smart view and a quip. So, anyone wanting this grumpy chump put in his place may be about to see their dreams come true. Although women, I've discovered in the past week in our conversations, are reticent to make fun of men too much because we're a bit fragile when it comes from the other side of the gender fence. Men, of course, take the piss out of each other at any chance. So to unpack all this and the opportunity for a new kind or a nuanced kind of humour in brand comms for women, with Wendy Harmer is Kellogg Marketing Director Lucy Wollstoneholm and the protagonist for this whole discussion, Jane Waterhouse, General Manager of Brands and Commercial Solutions at R Media which has just done a sweeping research project on women and humour and why the industry is missing some clear mind and mood signals in today's environment. So welcome to you all. I'm really looking forward to this one. To Jane first, give us the elevator pitch, Jane, on this research program uh, that's, and what it's uncovered. There's some really interesting discoveries in there, I think, uh, around women and humour and why industry is actually missing some really interesting and effective ways to land brand messages to women wrapped in humour. Welcome, Jane, and get us on this elevator. Yeah, hi, Paul. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the first place to start is is really our deep understanding and constant, um, you know, insatiable appetite to know more and more about women. And we were at a brainstorm one girl laughed at something, another girl didn't. And we we're like, wow, what is it that makes one woman laugh and another woman not laugh? And why is it, um, how does it affect whether she will buy? So we started to look into humour and our media has always been interested in, you know, big uh, studies like this. And for us, we look globally and from a global point of view, we saw, uh, we looked at some Kantar research that showed that humour really improved ad receptivity. Um, more than any other char- characteristic. And um, and the unfortunate thing was, though, that we found that only 22% of ads featuring women use humour as opposed to 51% of ads featuring men. So we thought, okay, there's really something interesting here. Um, we partnered with the lab. Uh, we did a full Qualquant and AI study and, uh, and we found that overall men and women equally describe themselves as funny and cheeky and even in some cases hilarious. Um, but very few brands were uh, really serving that humour and that need for humour that women really wanted. And we were seeing it come up in movies, but less so in advertising. So that was really the start of the project. And, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more today about what we found there. Well, 22% versus 51%, that's a gap of significant proportion, right? And so what's your hunch there, Jane, on what's happening? 
as Wendy will talk about, I'm sure, it is humour is a very tricky space and, you know, it can go very wrong. One of the key things that we found is that context and lived experience when you're talking to women and using humour is really critical and there isn't that many women in advertising agencies writing content uh, for women of all ages. Just give us a sense on, I think we, we talked earlier about the sorts of humour that works with women in different contexts and different environments and social media is a good sort of signal reader, if you like, on that, right, Jane, where you're seeing uh, some things that land in social are giving the cues for what advertisers should be doing? Yeah, I mean, we see uh, across, say, Marie Claire brand, when we use humour, uh, there's three times greater engagement on Women's Weekly. There's two times greater engagement in particular through social. Um, but I think the expressions around that is when uh, we have this ide- identity and ownership. Um, so, as I said, that lived experience or whether we use truthful tragedy, um, which seems to work really well. Um, and Fleabag's a great example of if you want to understand truthful tragedy. Um, then there's this idea of actively um, seeking comfort uh, in humour, which seems to work very well. And then, you know, finally being really bold and empowered. Uh, and that really is about smashing the kind of patriarchy and, and taboos. So they're sort of four different expressions that we found um, do work very well through social and in print, to be honest. Wendy Harmer, it's kind of almost common sense, but your view, why, why, why? Why are we not doing this already? I mean, we've got, you know, humour, 22% in ads. Women, a lot of women in the the R study is showing that they do genuinely enjoy humour and they think they're funny too, um, but not necessarily fall-off chair funny. It's a sort of a, it's a different style. But what's going on here, Wendy Harmer, with, um, you're mostly funny, right? Well, I mean, I try to be, thank you. I think I've made a career out of it, so I must be doing something right. I think this is a bit of a, um, uh, a, you know, a a minefield, I think, for uh, people um, in agencies because... You know, there is so much offence to be taken. And as Jane says, you know, a lot of what humour is is experiential. So if you haven't got the people who've lived the life in your agency, you've got to find it very hard to kind of nail uh, those messages with any kind of authenticity. I think we have to go back to first principles in a way and, th- and, and think about how women and men differ in their style of comedy. I mean, uh, men uh, are still... Um, I guess, able to deliver those jokes. I mean, the, the, the style of humour is very often formal. You know, like uh, if you're in a, in a group, say, you might hear a bloke say, oh, do you hear the one about, you know, or three men walk into it, oh, why the long face or something like that. So there still are jokes. Now, women just really don't tell jokes like that. We don't remember them <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're always stuffing them up and it's not the way we tell jokes. What happens in, I think, when the women are all together is someone says, oh, you won't believe I made a total idiot of myself yesterday and someone will say, you think that was idiotic, you should hear what I did. So you've got this sort of self-deprecating uh, humour going on and that is a really, that is that is a bonding, a very much a bonding thing. I think when men um, tell, oh, I don't generalise here but let's uh, let's generalise. Um, Why not? <laughs> when men are telling those jokes, um, often they're not really telling truths about their lives. It's a little bit abstract. The emotions aren't as involved there. They're not as vulnerable as uh, women might be when they're 
just, you know, talking about their kids or their or their failures or their small triumphs or their, you know, their blunders or whatever it might be. There's a real vulnerability coming through there. And that's why I think it is a kind of hard to nail, very difficult to nail. And I would also say that um, across a, women's, a woman's lifetime, that humour can really um, vary uh, depending on whether she's, you know, a young mum who's home with the kids or, you know, a career woman who's, you know, trying to achieve that balance, who's struggling with everything, to then those huge life changes that happen around uh, a menopause and then, you know, so... A lot of a lot of women's humour is sort of bound up in that kind of fertility lifestyle as well, and so again, you need that lived experience um, and and the relatability, and that can't come from you know um, a whole bunch of uh, let's say. 35-year-old men or, you know, 25-year-old blokes. So that makes it that makes it difficult as well, I think. What What's the, the short history in Wendy Harmer's view of, of how humour and women have shifted and changed, say, back from 70s, 80s through to, to now? Your macro observations there. Well, you know, in if you go back as, even as far as vaudeville days, it was all through the male gaze, really. It was all through that male point of view. And uh, what it would be is, as I say, the male comedian on stage and he'd be chasing after a little ingenue in a frilly frock and then chasing after him would be a Harrod and usually his wife in a dressing gown with a rolling pin. You know, <laughs> so that all came from, you know, that... Uh, it came uh, uh, about... Uh, it was a, it was a man's world, and women were sort of peripheral to it. And as time has gone on, what happened um, around the around the eighties, I think, with a so-called alternative comedy, and when you got more women uh, being involved in comedy, they started writing their own material, and so the kind of characters that were portrayed on stage and on screen were vastly different to those who have been portrayed before or really were just invisible before. So if you think of big girls' blouse, for instance, you've got tough women like Gina, hard-faced bitch. You know, you've got um, Kath and Kim there, you know, who are hapless but they're funny and they're emotional and they're strong and, you know, they, they send themselves up. And, you know... I, I, huge range of characters there that all came to the fore and were very, I mean, expressing women's lives. And I think as time has gone on, there's more and more vulnerability in women's comedy. If you think about the comedies about mums, you know, and, and uh, you know, the travails were sort of breastfeeding or bringing in mothers' groups or depression and anxiety and all those kinds of... Uh, all those kinds of topics are now coming to the fore and, um, surprisingly, of course, treated in a humorous way that women really appreciate. You know, they, they, they relate to uh, others' experiences and so we're sort of all in on the gag. So that is a very short and I'm sure inadequate but potted history of a kind of uh, where we are now and obviously because of so-called woke 
culture. Now we've got that intersectionality between LGBTQI women and then we've got, um, you know, women of colour, etc. It becomes even more fractured and more of a minefield. So it's not easy to pull off. It was a fabulous uh, short history of humour and women. Thank you, Wendy Harmer. But um, I do want to sort of pepper it with any anecdotes around the, some of the stereotypes we've talked about that you've sort of hit. If you, is there any stories from afar that you make you smile or, or cringe uh, in and around women and humour and what you've faced personally? Well, I just love slapstick um, in women's comedy. I don't think there's enough of it done. Jane mentioned the movie Bridesmaids a little earlier. You know, women telling jokes about diarrhoea and hilarious, you know, slapstick right. there. It's something that, you know, we we um, uh, we don't see probably enough of in women's humour, I would say. There's, uh, there's some really big opportunities there. Um, I think also we have to be really careful. This is a point we were talking about, um, uh, Jane and I were talking about uh, a while back, which is that a lot of women don't really enjoy the uh, trope of, oh, the stupid man in an ad. Right. Because right. we women, we have a lot invested in our men's um, ego and, and um, we don't like to see our men belittled because it has sort of repercussions for us, really. You know, we are looking after you behind the scenes here. Oh, and I thank you for it. <laughs> and that's because blokes are a bit fragile. And it's interesting, right, because just in, the, in that um, earlier setup, we talked about how uh, men will quite happily take each other down uh, but from, at, at each other, but if it's coming from a woman, they feel a little bit less, uh, less happy about that. Uh, what I wanted to say here was, more importantly, that, you know, if you see a men in a group, or you see men, because I'm quite active on Twitter, you see men on Twitter going, oh, you're hopeless, mate, you know, that'd be typical, you're an idiot, <laughs> oh, you're looking fat, or you're a failure, jokes, jokes, jokes. Women don't do that stuff. Yeah. We we don't like that. Uh, we would not we we would not say that to each other as a joke. I mean, if Jane walked into the room and I would go, "Oh, g'day, Jane, we've put on a few kilos over the holidays." Can you imagine how that would possibly go down? It'd be worth watching, I reckon. <laughs> there are some you know real differences there. I think in, in you know in the way humour is used. I must say, one of my most treasured treasured. Uh, if you want an anecdote. Um, most treasured moments in comedy was um, years ago when I came off stage and a bloke came up to me and he said, oh, I really enjoyed that. It was really funny. It just goes to show that women are human beings too. <laughs> and I said, oh, thank Jesus. you very much. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but, let's... you know, there is that trope around still that women yeah. aren't funny and I still hear it said sometimes. So, you know, this is a, a big attitude to overcome obviously. Jane, so the research that you've gone through, Quant and Qual, is really showing up the opportunity here. There is a, a willingness and a, and, a, and a desire from women to want to be humoured. Uh, is that what's part of what's coming through in your study? I think for us it was really a, around, you know, it's so hard to engage women today when, you know, there's so many, it's such a fractured media landscape. For us it came from the, the you know, area that we wanted to speak we found that humour was highly engaging and in our case three times more than just, you know, standard communication. So um, it, 
obviously this, you know, we've obviously all been through a terrible year last year. The beginning of this year um, was pretty tough as well for a lot of Australian women. Um, If you're living in Melbourne now, it's still pretty tough uh, overall for all people. Uh, So people, there's never really been a better time to really grab onto that post-COVID, you know, positivity and, uh, and, you know, use humour, everything from which I'm, you know, sure we'll speak about um, with Lucy from, you know, not just a belly laugh, but to just an inner smile, you know, that idea of really um, just joy and exuberance um, being a, you know, a great way to communicate with women today. Well, you look how incredibly well Julia Baird's book Phosphorescence has sold. Yeah. And that is yeah. just a sort of a, a love yourself. Collection of joy, yeah. You know, just finding joy in what mm. can be a bleak in a world. And, and you also look at the, what is shared on social media, cats. Dogs, animals doing funny things, cute kids, you know, there is all that uh, area there, I think, um, to have a look at for advertising. So you don't have to go, as, as Jane says, for that belly laugh, although... Gosh, to be able to get that, how how powerful is that? You know, it, it, you do remember those belly laughs. You remember the person mm. who gives them to you, and mm. you you know, and uh, you, um, I think. I think really, really appreciate that someone gets you. I mean, an interesting thing that the late, great uh, John Clark uh, once told me, he said uh, that if you promise to make people cry and you don't deliver, you know... Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world. But if you promise to make people laugh... Like this is the most hilarious thing ever, and then you don't deliver. Actually, people get quite quite cross, mm. and I think it's a trust issue. I think that's because to make people laugh, you have to gain their trust so that they they're relaxed, and and if they think that um, you're not being genuine, then that sort of that you know that that trust is is broken. Um, so. I think in some ways with humour, what you do too, and uh, Jane and I were talking about this, is you kind of under-promise and then you over-deliver. Surprise and delight almost, don't you, really? And be, you can be incredibly subtle. Lucy Wilson-Time, um, what do you make of all this? Are you, are you, do you, you know, you're sitting there with lots of different brands that are not all female. Special K comes to mind as an obvious one, but, you know, you've got lots of, I guess, customers, women who are buying, who are grocery buyers, the, the gatekeepers for the household food. We were talking about the teenage boys last week. Um, there's another hour conversation. But um, what do you make of this in terms of, is it valid that, that humour tends to skew male? And we see that in that surprising stat, 22% to 51% or thereabouts. What do you make of this when you're sitting there at Kellogg with your briefs, uh, Lucy, and wanting to engage women and customers? Thanks, Paul. Yeah, it's uh, look, it's a good question. Gee, I must say I've thoroughly enjoyed the first 20 minutes of this uh, conversation because it's just everything that Jane and Wendy said, um, you know, is exactly what we're facing as, you know, advertisers. You know, it's a tricky art. And I think for me, you know, in the world of advertising, though, um, we suddenly recognise that humour can play a big, big role. Jane touched on it three times, you know, the engagement. It does improve ad um, receptivity more than any other ad characteristic. We, we know that. Is that a new stat, Lucy? Does that, did that make you stop and think? Was it a surprise? 
yeah, he surprised me on um, the fact that he would be more than any other characteristic, but at the same time, not surprising because as, you know, both Jen and Wendy described, it's true that um, humour really strikes a chord that I think nothing else can ever strike. And what we're trying to do, you know, when we advertise is go beyond the functional messaging we're trying to engage um, and knowing how, you know, humour can really drive that deeper engagement, particularly with women, it's no surprising. Absolutely not. Um, you know, when you think about some of the ads, you can still remember. And when you talked about, you know, it's uh, we would want that belly um, belly laugh because they're the ones you remember the most. But even you know, some of the the ones that make you chuckle. I mean, I can name a few of the ads that to this day I can remember. You know, the not happy Jan of the yellow pages, or you know, the big pond ad on the too many rabbits in China. There are some really funny ways. And and I think you know what I've learned through the research that. Um, Jane has shared is that beyond the memorability um, and and you know whether the shareability, there's something around the relatability for women um, that human. You know, when do you use the word? It's bonding, and I think that's the powerful part of using humor in advertising for women. If we can empower women through humor, if we can, you know, um, in a way, build that engagement with women with humor, the brand is going to feel closer to its consumers and, and women will continue to be empowered through a special case. So Lucy, Wendy talked about um, that the trust issue, there is a risk issue here for you as well though, right? There is the risk of, of it perhaps not landing. And is that one something that keeps you from doing something in that space? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, um, you know, it, it is really hard to nail the right humour and you know to the point Wendy made earlier as well because it depends as well on your life stages at every stage you know some women will be able to relate straight away to the joke you are you are running and some others will will find utterly you know either offensive or just flat or will not just relate to it at all so I think in advertising and you know being um, we are targeting a fairly broad group as well it is very hard to find the right, you know, uh, humour that will hit the mark with the wide group that you're trying to engage with. Um, it can land, you know, in the in the offensive group. And actually, I was um, talking with my, um, you know, brand manager on Special Care and we're talking about advertising and again, humour in advertising. And one that I remember, you know, targeting women was the one on the brand Libra with, uh, you know, the pads. And there's this ad where the guy comes in and he's doing the robot um, and he's all stuck, you know, pads all over his faces and everything. Everything. And it's interesting because some found it really funny and yet he copped a lot, a lot of criticism um, and, and bad press um, because, you know, some mothers thought it was not funny because they had to then explain to their children why, you know, the guy was putting pats on his face and, and everything. So it's just an example of we are walking a fine line. It's a fine art to really use humour um, without, you know, falling into, into offensive or, or flat one of the things that humour does really well, and it's probably a key to some of this that you're talking about there, um, Lucy, what comedians do is they observe people going about their daily lives and then they tell them what they've been doing. I, I remember even a friend, a friend of mine had a review which says, the trouble with Mark is he makes just ordinary life seem more funny than it really is. You know, that was a critical yeah. review. But that's what comics do. They yeah. take, a, you know, and, and I think that that is the best thing. If I was to think about, you know, uh, something like Special K uh, from a... From 
from a from that point of view, I would almost be saying, look at you, look at all the things that you've been doing over the years, you know, look how far you've come um, and then, you know, have, you know, do that with great affection and humour, I suppose. Yeah, but just to, Yeah, just to be able to sort of, I think comics um, can just stand back just a little observe um, mores yes. and habits and have fun with them. Mm. You're completely right, Wendy. So another brand, we have Be Natural, and that's exactly what we've done. We're working with um, Tanya Hennessy. Tanya has this lovely self-deprecating style, right? She doesn't take herself seriously, and you're exactly right. It's, you know, in a way, borrowing the comedians that are able to, in a way, hold the mirror and through self-deprecation for women, you know, give them those moments of, you know, release from like perfectionism and let's just have a laugh. Let's not take ourselves too seriously here. Being confident about who we are, how we are, what we eat and carry on on our journey as as women. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look at the success of Celeste Barber in that space, uh, of course. Well, exactly. you know, there's par excellence. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, it, it is like the almost the um, antidote uh, in the way to, you know, the perfection. And we see the, you know, the, I was looking at the figures the other day, the rise and rise of um, young women wanting to have cosmetic surgery and anti-wrinkle treatments and so on at younger and younger ages. And we know that women have those little nasty computers in their bags from when they're very young telling them they don't measure up. So anything that is a relief from that, anything yes. that gives you a break, I think that you're absolutely right. I want to ask Lucy, though, um, Wendy talked about observations on life as what, what a lot of comedians do, Lucy, and we, we were talking earlier about how um, Kellogg overall probably doesn't do a lot of humour outside uh, your, your Be Natural uh, brand and what some, some other things emerging in joy at the moment. But And I wouldn't want to tell a marketing director uh, what to do at all, but I think you know, in terms of some of that work you do with Serial, the classic on observations is life of life is serial and teenage boys. I and mean, I got fodder coming out, you know, the proverbial on that in terms of literally my 14-year-olds, you know, it's hunched over the breakfast bar eating cornflakes, you'll be happy to hear. Uh, and um, the stuff that he says and the what comes, how he, how he portrays and carries himself and what he says in the morning, there's some classic stuff there that's observational that, you know, could really land with clearly with grocery buyers who tend to be uh, mums that are the gatekeepers. So um, in terms of what you're thinking about, um, Lucy, in the coming 12 months, two years, whatever whatever your time frame is, will do you think you will be putting humour more on your radar as, as a result of this or is it just more of a consideration that you've always done? Yeah, look, it's, it's a good question. I think we, we've we always had it on our, on our consideration, though, you know, I, I I wouldn't lie, we I've never ever, you know, built a brief to an advertising agency saying, oh, we've got to have humour. I think, you know, the choice of humour usually comes um, with your brand positioning, the personality of the brand, the tone of voice you want your brand to have. Um, and some brands lend themselves better than others to going into um, humour land. Um, however, I think through, you know, the recent work with our media, and, and I think, you know, um, Jane, you made a, a point earlier as well on there's no better time than now to really consider humour because we've gone through such tough times and people are turning to humour. I think it was in the research as well, you know, to um, overcome whether it be an, an anxious time um, or when they're a bit stressed or... So I don't think there's any better time than now to possibly 
actually um, consider humour even more. Um, the, the realities, though, for me is we're asking advertising to do a lot. Um, and whilst, you know, our primary role is to make sure we engage with our audience um, and we get, you know, our brands on, on their radar and becomes part of their consideration set, um, there are certain categories, and I'd say, you know, in Breakfast Cereal in particular, where we play still very much the functional message. Um, we're also trying to land an emotional benefit. Um, and all of that then needs to be wrapped up in the world of humour as well. So it's a big ask of advertising agencies um, and whilst, you know, it's not a mandate on the brief to um, be humorous, um, humour is, is certainly, you know, one way in that we should be consider more and more. I reckon we should give Wendy Harmer a brief. Let's oh, try that I'd one Oh, I'd love that. Hey, um, so Jane, we know researchers love an archetype, right? But you've, you've got some good ones in this research in terms of the types of humour and genres that, that are landing with women. G- give us a couple of those, what they look like. Well, yeah, the five ways that we've identified, uh, you know, one is called modern wit, which is pretty self-explanatory. I think uh, you can see that's really just tapping into the political um, zeitgeist and what's happening and very much on trend at the moment. Animal stories, as Wendy mentioned, you can't go wrong, no matter, you know, whether it's a, um, what is that one? Alan, Alan. You know, or, you know, or a- any animal uh, using a human's voice seems to work. <laughs> we talk about which categories they work well in as well from, you know, from the research where they really land. You know, that's what I think makes the research worth seeing. Um, and, and we do and we do talk about, to, to sort of wrap this up, Jane, the, sort of the Wendy's mentioned it, um, Lucy's mentioned it, what are the big takeouts for creatives and agencies here and advertisers and all this from your perspective? What do they need to do, particularly, you know, when you're responding to a brief that may not say make it funny, but the creatives could be sitting there going, this could be um, some subtle wit or it could be something that's, you know, that's going to be wrapped up quite quite well for women. Uh, so your message to, to creative agencies and advertisers, Jane, from, from the study? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a couple of things. Um, keep in mind that women use humour to regulate their mood. So that's quite different. And that context is really important, as we've all talked about today around, you know, life stage and relevancy. We know that it's going to improve ad receptivity and that women's humour and the way women respond to humour has changed dramatically. So really, you know, get up to date with where that's at right now. These eight key roles that we have, you know, um, we would like to share and, you know, really keeping in mind that humour can be anything from a belly laugh to that smile. That's probably the best way of summing it up. Wendy Harmer, apart from perhaps getting a new copywriting gig, uh, what any sage advice to, to brands and advertisers on, on, on what they should be thinking about? Probably in the next, you know, next year or so as things are really sort of still all over the place, but any sage words? Well, I think um, just get some funny women in to write and don't be frightened and go for it. And uh, you think there's a minefield there, but there are a lot of women who are being very funny and, you know, gathering great audiences. So someone must know something. Go find them. By the way, you were particularly chipper on when you came on the call this morning. There's a reason for that, I think, Wendy. Huh? But we should we should go there. There's something about the ratings you're quite happy about. What's with that? My, my radio ratings, yes. I was sort of quite pleased this morning because uh, we've been point four of being number one in the Sydney market. Well, there's some joy. We'll be number one very shortly. Thank you. Watch out. There's the big <laughs> prediction. There's breaking news. Um, Lucy, your final thoughts. I know you talked about joy. You're moving to joy as a sort of positioning, which is sort of getting, kind of getting to humour. But what are we going to see? 
see from you in the next 12 months. Tell us your entire strategy. <laughs> Uh, no, not quite. Um, you will see it in action in 12 months. But certainly, um, you know, one thing that, that really resonated with me is this dimension of um, through joy and humour. Um, it is a way of, in a way, empowering women. There's really something about, um, you know, it's showing women at, at its best and it's driving confidence in every woman. Um, and I think that's what we absolutely want to tap into when, you know, using humour from now. So watch this space. I reckon um, special care will continue on that journey and we'll have more to share with you know with their uh, their audience um, in 12 months yeah let's let's loop around and let's put Jane on the hot spot with these three times engagement yes, shall we please. Lucy we'll figure out that one that'll be that could be fun Jane Waterhouse Wendy Harmer Lucy Wilson's home thanks for joining great conversation um, and I think definitely one to um, to follow up on and see how this tracks in the next 12 months thanks for joining thank you thank so you. much this mi3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre that's more. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.